peeps, Angela Bowen here, the host of Punky Power on Unofficial Punky Brewster Podcast. Well, I hope you guys are liking the story arc of changes, as sad as it may be, because now we are starting Changes Part 3. The official Season 2, Episode 19, Changes Part 3, which aired on February 16th, 1986. Punky's friends visit her at Fenster Hall, hoping that Simon Chillings won't notice, and by taking his glasses, he doesn't. Margo impersonates Punky so that the real Punky can visit Henry in the hospital. Aww. Alright guys, let's waste no time and get into this episode, huh? So, the episode opens up, Punky, of course, is back in Fenster, and they actually pull out with the camera that they used to film the show, so you see there is actually three single beds and a bunk bed, so there is five beds, quote-unquote, for five girls that are in that room. Although, like I said yesterday, that dang bunk bed... That bottom bunk looks like you could suffocate underneath it. It is, there's like hardly any room to even get your body in there. So this time around, um, Liz, who's now got her hair in braids, really cute. Um, she actually comes up to Punky, who's sitting at the table looking at the picture of her and Henry and Brandon, um, the last Christmas, of their first Christmas together. And Liz is nice. You know, she says, I'm sorry about your foster dad. And even um, Wheezy here is like, yeah, how's he doing? So, I mean, it seems like they're a little more caring. They're a little bit understanding now that, you know, she's been brought back there now twice. Ay So, Punky lets the girls know that Henry did have to go under the knife. He had to have the operation for his ulcer. Uh, Mike called this morning to let her know. And now he's in intensive care. Guys, that is not good, especially for someone his age. He's like, oh, man, how is he? Season one, I think he said during that court scene, he was like 64, which is actually the same age as what my father is now. People seem, like, looked a bit older in the 80s. I don't know why, because I'm 35 and I look at my dad who's 64 now. He does not even look at all weathered or beaten down like Henry does. Maybe Henry just had so much bad life just thrown at him with, you know, his wife dying and being in the war that he just soured his outlook on everything until Punky came along, of course. But then maybe that just kind of aged him, you know? You know how people can sometimes go prematurely gray like they've had a hard life? Yeah. Millie in the window is like, you know, at least the worst part is over. Yeah, he's pretty much now recuperating from surgery. And Wheezy's going to tell Punky all about this episode of Trapper John that she saw. Trapper John in the 80s is like what ER in the 90s and Grey's Anatomy in the 2000s is to these kids. Or at least to Wheezy because she's the one that's uh, watching all this TV. Girl, no, stop, Wheezy, please stop. Because she tells Punky how, oh, I saw this episode of Trapper MD or whatever, and how they gave this woman the wrong medicine, and then she died. Oh, my. Punky doesn't need to hear that right now, sweetie. That's not going to lift her mood at all. Now it's going to make her paranoid, thinking that the doctors are probably going to kill Henry. But I want to play this clip, and I'll be right back. Tough like about your foster dad. Yeah. Have you heard anything yet? Well, Mike called this morning, and Henry had an operation last night, and now he's in the intensive restroom. <laughs> At least the worst part is over. I saw this Trapper John once, where a woman was in recovery, and they gave her the wrong medicine. Did she die? Worse, she got amnesia and fell in love with Gonzo. <laughs> Mrs. Johnson's watching out for Henry. She won't let him get the wrong medicine. She's a nurse. Doesn't matter. It was a nurse who called Senator Wilson to have a heart attack on General Hospital. Nurse? 
Well, actually, she was pretending to be a nurse. She was really a mafia princess. I never go to a hospital. My Uncle Bernie died in one. turns out that the girl got amnesia and she fell in love with some guy named Gonzo. I mean, I thought she was talking about the Muppet Gonzo, but then, and then, um, Millie comes down from her little perch on the windowsill and then <laughs> Wheezy starts in about this, uh, nurse or whatever the hell on, um, General Hospital and some hoochie-boochie stuff. About the nurse actually being a mafia princess or something. Because uh, Punky had mentioned how Mrs. Johnson's a nurse. So she's going to make sure that Henry does not get the wrong medicine. Uh, this girl, she watches too much TV. It is not real. Okay? It is not real. But then again, I was 11 and I was watching all my children and Erica Kane. And my grandma was astounded how I would get so wrapped up in that show. She, I remember one time, my grandma's just sitting in the recliner next to me, and she was just watching my reaction, like I was really into whatever was happening, like, oh, wow, you think these are real people? I'm thinking, no, I don't think they're real people. You, just, you get wrapped up, you know, in their stories, and you have emotions and crap like that. So Millie throws in her two cents about how she says she never goes to the hospital because her Uncle Bernie died in one. Really? How did this Uncle Bernie die exactly? He didn't die because he went to the hospital. There's clearly something wrong with him, right? Well, she doesn't elaborate. She just walks over to uh, the bunk beds. So of course this makes Punky even more depressed as she looks again at their picture of her and Henry and Brandon and it's like just saying Henry please please just get better and look who's in the window it's Alan Cherry and Margo come to cheer up Punky Aww, those are the best friends ever I want to play this clip oh I'm so happy they're there to see her I guess. The kids in this establishment seem so rough. What's the matter? Are we making you nervous, Lady Claro? <laughs> Excuse me, but I was having a private conversation. Then don't have it in my room. Uh, why don't I introduce everybody? I didn't see your name written on the door. Oh, yeah? Want me to carve it on your forehead? Peasant. <laughs> Liz, this is Margot. I ain't interested in your dumb friend. Shows you how much you know. I'm her dumb friend. Margo's the smart one. <laughs> Alan, Cherry, this is Millie and Wheezy. Wheezy? Like on the Jeffersons? Something wrong with that? No. It's just sort of weird being named after a TV person. Better than being named after fruit. Now that we're all friends, why don't you guys just stay over on that side and we'll finish our little visit over on this side. Fine by me. Millie, open the window before Goldilocks perfume sets up the smoke alarm. Boy, sure good to see you guys. I just wish they'd let me go and see Henry. I miss him so bad. So this is really funny watching uh, Punky's friends come in and then they're kind of intermingling with the kind of sort of friends that Punky is kind of rooming with right now. Of course, Margot and Liz are going to clash right away. Margo, um, Margo's the um, classy girl and then you have Liz who is really like hard up tough girl knock your freaking block off type of person so of course they're like practically nose to nose as Punky kind of pushes them 
out of each other's way. Like, okay, guys. But then Cherry comes along when she hears that uh, Wheezy's name from a TV character on television. So then Wheezy, uh, Wheezy, of course, takes offense to this right away. And it's like, well, it's better than being named after a fruit. And what? what I'm like, sweetie. Cherry did not mean anything by that. She did not mean to insult you. But, of course, Cherry is like, Oh, no, you did not just insult my name, girl. <laughs> so, so Liz is like, You know what? You get your dumb friends out of here. And Alan kind of pipes up, like, Shows what you know. I'm her dumb friend. Margo's the smart one here. <laughs> I thought that quip was kind of cute. Like, <laughs> Oh, Alan, you rapscallion, you. So, Punky takes it upon herself, like, okay, I don't want to have anyone else arguing. You three over there, or four over there, and then I will speak to my friends, finish our conversation over here on the bed. Okay? Great. Thank you. So, Punky is like, you know, I really missed you guys and everything, but I really wish I could see Henry. I miss him so bad. And now we get into, um... Chillings and Mike in Chillings's office, and he's just kind of going over, I guess, a review, whether a personal statement from someone kind of verifying Henry and Punky's bond together, but I'll check that out real quick. Yeah, so basically Chillings is reading the last review or uh, from Punky's caseworker that shows the benefit of what Punky's Punky has had living with Henry, how she has blossomed under his care. And and Mike is going again going to bed for her. It's like, um, there's no reason why Punky can't go and see Henry in the hospital. Come on, guy. I mean, Punky isn't even in school right now. Oh my gosh, this guy, this Chillings guy, they need to get him out of there. I kind of wonder if maybe Mike takes over that job later on because, well, spoiler alert, Chillings won't be there at the end of this five-part thing. So I'm wondering if maybe Mike kind of decided to take over Fenster, and that's why maybe, I mean, he'd only be her fourth grade teacher anyway for a year, so I don't know. Well, I wonder if that kind of gets explained at the very end. I hope so. So Chillings basically says, no, she's not going to go visit him because it will only prolong the dependency she has on him. Because I'm going to be placing her in a new foster home. And I'm like, wait a second. He agreed. With Mike, they had an agreement that she wouldn't be placed in a foster home. And Mike's eyes are bugging out. Like, excuse me? That is not what we agreed on here. So I'm going to play this clip, guys. I will be right back. Mike is P.O.'d. And I'm not surprised. The kind grandfatherly guidance of Henry Warnemont has caused Punky to blossom into a shining example of happy girlhood. Who wrote this, Barbara Cartland? <laughs> no, Punky's last caseworker. And it shows how touched everyone is by their special relationship. And it's on the basis of that relationship that I'm asking you to let Punky go visit Henry in the hospital. I can't allow it. It would only serve to prolong her emotional dependency on him. Well, what's wrong with that? It will make it all the more difficult for Punky when I place her in a new foster home. What? Don't act so surprised. You agreed to this yesterday. I agreed to no such thing. Oh, no? Well, according to my notes, our conversation was as follows, and I quote, Chillings, but I warn you, if for any reason Mr. Warnemont is unable to recover financially or physically, I will not hesitate to place Punky in a new foster home. Fulton. Okay, it's a deal. It's all here, black and white. Notes? You took notes? Of course not. My secretary transcribed the tapes. <laughs> you taped our conversation? <laughs> You'll never find it. I did it merely for historical records. After all, I do want my memoirs to be accurate. Memoirs? Yes, it's been in the back of my mind for days now. I'm calling it Welfare Warrior. The Life and Times of Simon P. Chillings. In hardcover. What? I bet Hollywood will be clamoring over the movie rights. You think so? Yeah. It'll be a great vehicle for Pee Wee Herman. 
<laughs> so when Mike says, I don't believe I said any of that in regards to um, their conversation about if Henry wasn't able to fulfill his duties, say, um, getting better physically, you know, recovering from his uh, ulcer and getting gainful employment, um, that killings could put Punky in another foster home. Well, Mike's like, I never agreed to any of that. And then Chillings is like, oh, well, according to our conversation here, that he had the secretary um, dictate the tapes that he recorded their conversation. That guy's a freak. That guy is a freaking OCD. Oh, my God. He, he's nuts, guys. This man needs to be stopped. So Mike is outraged. He's like, you taped our conversation? And then he starts looking for the t the tape recorder. And Jillian's is just sitting there smiling like, oh, you won't find it. No, no. And then he, Jillian's goes on to say about how he's thinking of writing a memoir and calling it uh, a welfare warrior or some baloney like that. It's, it's like, oh, Mike's just fed up and he just like leaves. He's like, forget it. You're not even worth my time, buddy. And he he's just out the door. It's almost like he must feel that he's fighting a losing battle here. So back in the girls' room, um, Punky's like, I really want to visit Henry. And then Margot's like, well, we came up with a backup plan. And Alan's like, yeah, but to pull it off, we're going to need their help as he, uh, thumbs at uh, the four girls sitting over by the windowsill. Like, okay, yeah, for this plan to work, all them girls gotta get together and be able to uh, get Punky out of there. That's why Margot had that little messenger bag with her. I was gonna say, that doesn't look like, that messenger bag does not look like something Margot would be carrying on her. Maybe a fancy fancy purse, but not a messenger bag. So, of course, <laughs> the um, Punky and her friends are looking at Liz, Millie, Wheezy, and Anna, who are just kind of looking back at them like, huh, we ain't helping you. Really? Hmm. So Liz is like, why should we help you? And Sherry's like, because this is going to be the best trick you, you've ever played on Mr. Chillings. And Wheezy is like, oh, I am in. She said that just like Ethel Merman. Like, okay. And it doesn't take long for the other kids to like, alright, we're into. Let's do this. Well, actually, after Wheezy, Millie comes over, and then Anna hops down off the windowsill, but Liz calls her back. Anna turns around and says, no, Liz, I like Punky. I want to help her. Oh my gosh, this poor sweet girl. Oh, this poor sweet girl. She's so adorable. Liz is really like, okay, you guys, go along with your stupid plan, but count me out. And Punky's like, alright, guys, let's huddle up. So they're all huddled together, and they're kind of going over the plan, and they're kind of giggling. And we see Liz in the windowsill. She's just kind of like, like, mm, gosh. Ah, oh, you guys. I don't want to do this. And she's... <laughs> Like, come on, Liz. Come on. Be a team player. Be a sport. Liz finally kind of hops down off the windowsill. And she's just still kind of standing there, a little hesitant. I'm like, come on, Liz. Come on. You know you want to. You can't resist. And she kind of smirks. And like she's like, all right, all right, I'm in. And she gets into the huddle with the kids. Like, yeah, for this to work, we all have to come together, guys. Come on. <laughs> Now I want to play that clip and I'll be right back. Don't worry. You are going to visit Henry. How? We came with a backup plan. But to pull it off, we're going to need their help. Yeah. <laughs> Why should we help you? Because this could be the best trick that was ever played on Mr. Chilling. Oh, she said that just like Ethel Mertz. <laughs> Me too. This sounds like fun. Can I do something? Anna, come back here. No, Liz, I like Punky. I want to help her. Yes. Okay, fine. Go ahead with your stupid plan. You can count me out. 
kind of peeking through the little curtains there, kind of keeping a lookout for Simon P. Chillings. So we hear kind of from the huddle, um, Punky is like asking, do you think that this is going to work? And we kind of, we can't see yet the results because we got Alan, Cherry, Liz, and Wheezy. Who the, the, um, Liz and Wheezy actually have sweatshirts on that say property of Fenster Hall on them. But we don't know what's going on. So Cherry says, all right, girls, it's now or never. And the kids all kind of pull back and we see a fun little switcheroo. We got Margo (laughs) wearing a punky type pigtail wig. And we got Punky. Punky is wearing a Margo wig dressed just like Margo. So they pretty much switched clothes and they both had wigs like oh i'm wow margo and um punky wear the same shoe size that's pretty awesome margo and and punky look at each other and their mouths like drop like oh my gosh look at us (laughs) we are polar opposites of each other and that is so funny they actually stand up to really look at each other and margo is like she's got like these painted on freckles and she like, is like, holy macanoli. She says Punky's line, and it is funny as heck. Of course, Punky has to try out the whole peasant phase that, you know, phrase that Margo likes to say. It's like, oh my gosh, these two. Oh, this is cool. So I want to play that clip, and I'll be right back. Wait, this no, no. Maybe. Maybe. Don't, you guys, do you really think this is going to work? It can't miss! Oh, there. Gosh. Okay, girls, it's now or never. <laughs> Holy macanoe! says I'm just naturally perfect. <laughs> I don't sound like that. I beg to differ, mon petite. You can't hurt my feelings. I've got funky power. <laughs> I don't sound like that. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> you guys are amazing. You really switched places. Hey, They did that once on Double Trouble. This is life imitating art. (laughs) I never wore jeans without a designer label. Being you is harder than I thought. I think I'm still wearing these dresses. They're so drafty. (laughs) So Punky and Margo are still trying to feel each other out as far as being in each other's clothes, trying to swap identities, where... Punky is all, like, imitating Margo's, like, her whole personality, like, I am all better than you type persona. Margo looks at her like, I don't talk like that. And then Margo's like, well, you can't hurt my feelings because I have Punky power. And Punky just kind of looks at her like, um, I don't sound like that. And Cherry is like, oh, yes, you do. It's like, you don't really see how you are until you see someone either impersonate you or you kind of see yourself... Basically, she's seen herself from someone else's point of view. And she's like, eh, am I really like that? <laughs> but even the, the the Fenster Hall girls are just like, oh, yeah. You guys really switched places. And then, of course, Weezy is like, this is exactly like that episode on Double Trouble. You know, where um, life is imitating art or something like that. And Anna kind of breaks up the phone. It's like, um, guys somebody's coming. And that's when Mike kind of comes to collect Cherry, Margo, and Alan. Like, alright guys, we gotta, gotta, we gotta hit it. We gotta split. And he goes to, like, say goodbye to Punky, but then, um, he, Mike can see just fine. He's like, okay, wait a minute, kids, what are you doing? Why are you wearing each other's clothes here? But also I want to point out how Margo is like, I've never worn jeans before that weren't a designer label. 
And Punky's not used to wearing dresses. I mean, the last time we saw her in a dress was that Little Miss Adorable episode in season one. So she's like, it's so drafty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're used to wearing pants, you're not used to wearing a dress. There's really nothing covering your legs. <laughs> Mike's reaction is priceless as he comes in and says, Sorry, Punky, Mr. Chilling still won't let you go see Henry in the hospital. But then he stops when he's like, Um, you look different. Why? <laughs> he really takes a hard look. I mean, look, um, you can tell Margo's got blue eyes. Punky has brown. That would be a dead ringer right there. And she's got painted on, Franco on freckles as well. <laughs> and Punky's like trying to play with her fake hair. Like she's thinking how Margo would. Like guys, no, um, you're not fooling him. <laughs> so Mike is like, Punky, what are you doing? And then Margo, of course, is like trying to pretend like, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, then that's what uh, Punky as Margo is like, oh, oh, no, no time for chatter. We got to go. And Mike's like, N -n -n -n, guys, this is not going to work, okay? This is not going to work. You guys switching places. Well, Punky kind of pleads with Mike. It's like, please, this is the only way I'll be allowed to see Henry. And Mike's like, you know, guys, Chillings is not going to fall for this. And that's when Chillings comes in, says, all right, kitties. The visiting hours are over. <laughs> and that's when he's distracted. So Wheezy takes his glasses, which are right in his pocket. Why did he take those off? But boy, oh boy, is this going to help. So Mike is like, just a minute, just a minute. I'm trying to explain something to Punky. Simon Chillings goes over to Margo as Punky. Pats her on the head, says, don't worry about it, my Fulton. I will take care of it. Anything that needs to be explained to Punky, I will do it myself. Because I am in charge, and you are not. And Mike's just like, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so he, he kind of huddles uh, Punky as Margot, Cherry, and Alan out the door. Like, okay, kiddos, let's get out of here before he finds out. So just as Mike and the kids are taken out out the door, uh, Chillings is like, oh, not so fast, little girl. You're not going anywhere. Punky as Margo turns around and is like, I I'm not. And Chillings was like, no, you're not going anywhere without your coat. It's chilly outside. Whoa. Oh, my God. We almost thought that he picked up on it. Luckily, he did not. I'm going to play this clip and I will be right back. Hey, guys, somebody's coming. <gasps> Okay, guys, we gotta get going. I'm sorry, Punky, but Mr. Chilling still won't let you go with us to visit Henry. You see, he... <laughs> Punky, what are you doing? Gosh, Roo, what do you mean? <laughs> no time for chatter. Ta-ta. Hold it, Punky. I'm not going anywhere. Not you, Punky. You, Punky. <laughs> hey, look, the joke's over, girl, so change your clothes back. But, Mike, it's the only way I'll get to see Henry. I know, but rules are rules, and I'm not about to break them. Besides, Mr. Chillings isn't dumb enough to fall for this. Sorry, kids. Visiting hours are over. Fulton, it's time for you and these other children to leave. Now, give me a minute, Simon. I was explaining something to Punky. No need. I, not you, am in charge here. Any explanation to Punky will come from me. But Simon... No buts. Rules are rules. Now take those three children and run along. These three children? <laughs> yes, those three children. This little girl is staying right here. Whatever you say, Simon. Like I was telling the kids, rules are rules. And I'm not about to break them. Let's go. Hold it. You're not going anywhere, young lady. I'm not? No. Not without your coat. It's cold outside. Freeze. Chilly out there. Frostbite. 
Merci, monsieur. Arrivederci, people. So Mike and the kids get off the elevator, and right away, Punky spies Mrs. Johnson, and she's still, you know, of course, dressed as Margot, so she turns to Alan and Cherry and says, Hey, guys, let's see if I can fool Mrs. Johnson. I don't know, Punky. I think Mar. I think Mrs. Johnson's got a. Um, she's got an eye on her, so she's gonna be able to. Uh, yeah, she's gonna be able to tell you. <laughs> so Punky walks over there, trying to be all flouncy like Margot is. You know, putting her hands in the air, being all la di da. Yeah, Mrs. Johnson is not gonna fall for that. So she goes up to Mrs. Johnson and says, Bonjour, Madame Johnson. And <laughs> Mrs. Johnson is like, oh, hi, Punky. It's like, you might be able to change your mannerisms, but you can't change your voice. You might be able to change the pitch or what you're saying, but, you know, your voice is still your voice. So Punky's like, how did you recognize me? And Mrs. Johnson says it takes a lot more than fancy talk and fancy dress to recognize one of my favorite people. Aw, that's so sweet. Guys, I'm going to play that clip because it's just funny. Hey, guys, watch me trick Mrs. Johnson. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, Madam Johnson. Hi, Punky. <laughs> How did you know it was me? Well, it takes more than fancy talking, fancy dress to keep me from recognizing one of my favorite people. Ah. <laughs> Besides, I'm the one who bought that wig. Grandma, can I have some money? I'm going to go down to the gift shop and get a present for Mr. One of Us. Sure, honey. Can I have some money, too? Well, I suppose so. What are you buying, Henry? Nothing. I just didn't have any money. You still don't. Get out of here. <laughs> Mrs. Johnson, crack one and see Henry. Well, you didn't get all this dialed up not to see him, did you, honey? <laughs> well, he can only have one visitor at a time, and you had to be real quiet. Okay, I will. Here. says, which you heard in the clip, that um, she bought that wig that Punky is wearing. Like, it was kind of like they kind of set this whole thing up together. Although maybe Mike didn't know about it, I'm guessing. Um, Cherry kind of asked, like, hey, can I have some money to go down to the gift shop and buy Henry a gift? So she gives, you know, a little money to Cherry. Like, of course, it's her granddaughter. But of course, Alan, and he does this really quietly, like, can I have some money, too? And she's like, oh, sure. And then she asks, well, what are you going to buy, Mr. Warnamon? And Alan's like, well, nothing. I just didn't have any money. <laughs> Betty kind of snatches the dollar back. Like, she hasn't even given it to him yet. Or maybe she did. She's like, you still don't have any. Now get out of here, both of you. Like, oh, you Alan. <laughs> So Punky kind of asks, like, hey, do you think that I could go and see Mr. War... Um, she doesn't call him Mr. Warnamont. Do you think that I could go see Henry? And, you know, Betty's like, well, of course, sweetie. You know, we didn't... You think you got all dolled up for nothing? Like, yeah, but you gotta be really quiet, okay? Because he's only allowed a, one visitor at a time. Yeah, I mean, he's probably sleeping. He's probably gotta be under that anesthetic or, uh... You know, they probably gave him, you know, sedated him, so he's not, uh waking up and in pain and everything so she does actually take the hat and wig off so that and hands it to mrs johnson as she goes in like yeah don't want henry to think she's someone else like who are you little girl <laughs> so punky punky opens the door with a smile on her face but that smile is quickly wiped away when she sees henry and guys it is not a pretty sight henry is like hooked up. he's got breathing tubes that would be a lot for a little girl to take in 
I mean, it's one thing when, you know, she had first, you know, came in and seen him. He was kind of, you know, asleep on his side and everything like that. But now it's like he's hooked up to these machines and breathing tubes. That's going to be very scary for a nine-year-old girl to see that. She's even seen kind of the heart monitor and then, um, whatever, maybe they have some type of IV drip or something going into them, too. It's like, yeah, that is a lot of scary stuff to comprehend, and she probably doesn't really know what all that stuff is doing to help him. It's a shame, you know, maybe Mrs. Johnson, you know, if they could have let more than one person in, could have probably just explained, like, okay, that is a heart monitor that kind of monitors his his heartbeat, and and that little bag up there is, like, giving him, like, pain medication or something like that. So that way she's not as freaked out. She'd understand what that is, that it is, in fact, helping him. So the door is open quite a bit, in fact, and we do hear Mike kind of talking to Betty, saying, how is, how's Henry doing? And Betty is, you know, she's frank. She's up front with him. It's like, well, he's out of surgery, but he has got to stop this worrying because that is just only going to make it worse. So, and Betty's like, you know, Punky will be coming home soon. And that's when Mike breaks it to her. And actually, Punky is hearing this, too, on the other side of the door, when Mike reveals that Punky may not be coming home. That Simon Chillings is planning on putting her in another foster home. Oh, my God. To hear that. To overhear that. Oh, my God. Oh. Betty is like, no, that is just what Henry needs to hear. You'll have another fight with Chillings over Punky. If he finds that out, that she's being placed with another foster family, he'll never be able to re fully recover. And Punky is freaked out. Oh my, she's hearing all of this just outside the door. It's like, she had no idea that she was going to be placed with another foster family. Oh my god, this poor girl, she's getting hit left and right with all of these things. So she looks at Henry kind of asleep, you know, with those monitors and everything, and she, you know, takes his hand and kisses it, and she says, oh my god, she is near tears. She says, I am sorry, I am so, so sorry. Punky, sweetie, this is not your fault, okay? It is not your fault what's going on, okay? You simply have no control over what happens to you. And these people, these adults are all, like, out there trying to make decisions for you, thinking they know what's best for you, you know, especially with Simon Chillings, you know, I mean, Henry, Betty, and Mike, they all have her best intentions at heart. But this Simon Chillings guy is... All he cares about is getting this girl placed in a foster home so he doesn't have to deal with the whole situation anymore. So, oh, I just feel so bad for Punky. I feel bad for Henry. He's laid up in bed. He can't do anything. He has no idea that this is even going on right now. So now we cut back to Chillings' office where Margot is Punky, is in his office, and Chillings is going to tell Punky that she, he is going to be placing her with a new foster family. Oh, he's going to give her a personality test, like one of those Rorschach paintings. Oh, that'll be fun. Margo with the big words. She's like, why do you want to test my personality? Everybody will already tell you that I'm scintillating. What the heck? I'm going to look that word up. You know what? Let's ask Suri that question, huh? All right. Suri, what is... <laughs> okay, guys, here we go again. What does scintillating mean? As an adjective, it means sparkling or shining brightly. Do you want to hear the remaining one? Yes. As a verb, it means emit flashes of light, sparkle. Good old Siri. <laughs> or Siri, I'm sorry. Oh my lord. So, Chilling shows Margot a, um, a painting, a Rorschach painting. And she thinks it's a diamond. Here's what I think it is. Oh, I don't care about the diamond. Ooh. Um, it looks like a bear with a big long nose. Like one of those, it looks like one of those where the wild things are creatures to me. Oh, well, she said it's a diamond, a carrot that has a flaw in the center or something. But Chillings is like surprised and taken back like... Well, most kids say it looks like a bear. 
He shows her another one that looks like either a hot dog or two blown up condoms side by side. I know, guys. I know. I'm sorry. This is a G-rated podcast. Margo is giving these outlandish, like, results. She says a Picasso painting from his what-have-you period. It's like, oh, Margo, oh, you don't know what damage you're actually going to be doing to Punky. You're Punky. You should be giving answers like Punky. And the thing is, Chilling doesn't even actually sat down with Punky to really gauge her personality. Though from what he's seen of her, this would in no way be any example of her personality. And he says, he's surprised she said Picasso. He's like, most kids say hot dog. I say hot dog. I say hot dog. Okay, this next one looks like Mr. Peanut without the hat, wearing cowboy boots and holding binoculars. And he's got um, a gap between his two front teeth. Margo says it looks like a Rolls Royce hood ornament. I guess. Now Simon's kind of confused. He's like, do you even know what a Rolls Royce hood ornament looks like? And Margo's all like, doesn't everyone? Like, no, I have no idea what the heck it looks like. So Chilling's just had enough, clearly. He's like, you know, your answers pretty much are... Tell me exactly what I originally knew, that you would be better off in another foster home. Excuse me? That, those answers that she gave you, and that's what you think. Guy, you are a freaking nut. Oh, this is funny. She's like, no, I want to be with Henry. And she, my friends, Cherry and Alan, and especially my hero, Margo. Okay, way to build yourself up there, girl. <laughs> At least she made a smart move by saying she wanted a plea to stay with Henry. Come on now. I mean, yeah. You gotta, you're pretending to be punky and so far you're failing at every turn. I'd like to give you, well, it's sort of a personality test. Why would you want to test my personality? Everyone will tell you that I'm scintillating. <laughs> Humor me, won't you? Punky, what does this look like to you? Give me your first impression. It's a diamond. A baguette. About three carats. There's a tiny flaw in the center. That's odd. The usual response is teddy bear. Uh, how about this one? A Picasso painting from his Cubist period. Picasso? Most kids say hot dog. And this one. A Rolls Royce hood ornament. You actually know what a Rolls Royce hood ornament looks like? Doesn't everyone? There's no need to continue. Your answers support a gut feeling I've had about you from the beginning. What's that? That you would be better off in another foster home. I want another foster home. I want to be with Henry and Cherry and Alan and especially my hero Margot. Now calm down, Punky. So Mike comes in and Chilling's just like, oh, I have no time to deal with you, Fulton. But of course, Mike's got Punky with him because they got to do the little switcheroo dealy. Luckily, Punky is back dressed as she normally is. Oh, I see. So they got exact replicas of Punky's clothes to put on Margo. I was going to say, they're not the same size. Margo is a little bit taller than her and just a little bit bigger. So, yeah. So Margo's got his, uh, Chillings' glasses. She's like, oh, I found your glasses. Drops them on the floor. That's when she and Punky crawl on the floor. They switch places. So that way, Punky grabs the glasses, hands them to Chillings, who puts them on. Like, oh, hi, little girl, or something to that effect. So, alright, then Mike and Margo are out the door, leaving Punky with Chillings to deliver some bone-chilling news. So Chillings continues his and Punky's conversation, and he's like, oh, where did I leave off? And Punky's like, oh, I forget, does it have something to do with this hot dog as she pulls one of the Rorschach paintings off? And then he's like, oh, too late to change your answer. And he's like, oh, t tomorrow I'm putting you in a new foster home. Oh, 
Oh, Punky. Oh, girl. Oh, this is not good. So Punky's like really uh, upset at this, and but she's like, okay. And Jillian's is like surprised that she even said like that she's not putting up a fight because he, he that thinks that it's kind of like her personality, like. But she's like, if I can't have Henry, I mean, well, because he asked, well, do you want to know their names? And she shakes her head, no, like, if I can't have Henry, then I really don't care who takes me at this point. And she just walks off. It's like, I have no, clearly she feels I'm nine years old. I'm a child. Nobody is letting me really speak for myself. Nobody cares really what I want. Well, this, as far as that, Simon Chillings does not care what he punky wants and that is he's not taking her feelings or henry's feelings or mike's feelings no one's feelings into consideration he's there to do a job and make sure it gets done his job is one thing he's supposed to do for his job and that's to place kids in foster care hold on Oh, you gotta be kidding me. As she walks out the door, he at first it's like he has kind of a light little, like, satisfied look on his face. Like, okay, I've done my job. But then it's like he lets out this breath he's been holding, like... Like, oh, I thought she'd be more happy about it. It's like, guy, you know nothing about children. You should not be working with kids. You do have to have a little heart and emotion when it comes to dealing with situations like that. These kids have been kicked around their whole dang life. They need to feel like someone gives a damn about them. And at least has their best interests at heart. Because their parents clearly didn't when they dropped them off there at Fenster Hall. Alright, so I want to kind of play that clip. It is a little sad, but it's just... Punky is pretty much just resigned. It's like... Like like I just said before, it's like, I have no choice in the matter, so just do what you gotta do then. I I pretty much give up. So here's that clip. Oh. oh. Now, Punky, where were we? Uh, I forget. Uh, Did it have something to do with this hot dog? <laughs> Too late to change your answers now. No, my mind is made up. Tomorrow, I'm going to place you in a new foster home. Okay. Okay. Punky, I may have found the perfect foster parents for you. Would you like to know their names? No, thanks. I can't have Henry. I don't care who they are. So in the next scene, Henry is pretty much, he's awake as Betty is trying to spoon oatmeal into his mouth. He's like, ugh, get that crap away from me. Blech. Yeah, it's probably gross day-old oatmeal that's probably been sitting out all morning that's probably all, like, stuck together and not good oh god this is so funny as she tries to spoon it into his mouth like he's an infant doing the whole airplane deal and she's got it right up practically the spoon up against his closed lips and he just kind of looks at her like are you for real it's like get out of here with that <laughs> i had to laugh that was so funny so Betty's kind of praising him, like, all right, Henry Warnemont is back. And he's like, you, be you bet I am as soon as the doctor gets me out of here. I'm going to the bank. I'm getting a loan. I'm getting my business started. And I'm thinking, but you have no income, Henry. They have to have collateral. You have no collateral. What are you going to use as collateral? So in that way, Henry's like, you know, that way Punky can come home where she belongs. And Betty almost is like she's gonna break the news to him, like, oh, about Punky? And he's like, well, what about her? And then she just kind of adds, like, well, she came by to see you yesterday while you were sleeping. So that's good news. And she left a little note. Oh, boy. This note is not gonna be good. Why do I feel it's gonna break his heart in a million pieces? So I'm gonna play this clip where um, Henry kind of reads Punky's letter to him. And guys, this is very, very sad. She pretty much... It, thinks that his ulcer was caused because of how hard it was for him to take care of her and everything like that. And how she thanks him for taking her in and everything when no one else did. So I'm going to play this clip. I'll be right back. Look what I've done to you. 
open up, Henry. You got to eat this nice hot oatmeal. Get that bilge away from me. No, sir. This is doctor's orders. Mmm. Smells delicious. Open up. No. Here comes the airplane. Heading for the hangar. Get out of here. Well, at least you're acting like your cranky old self again. Look out, world. Henry Warnermont's back. You bet he is. As soon as the doctor lets me out of here, I'm going to the bank, get a loan, and start my business over again. Warnermont's studio is going to be bigger and better than ever. That's the spirit. <laughs> and Punky will come home with me where she belongs. Uh, uh Henry, about Punky. What about her? Uh, she came by yesterday to see you. Look, she left you a little note. Oh, what a sweetheart. <laughs> Dear Henry, it makes me so sad to see you like this, especially when I know it's mostly all my fault. If you weren't so worried about taking care of me, you also wouldn't have exploded. Henry, you've always been so good to me. No one else in the whole world would help me. You took me in. Now look what I've done to you. But don't worry. Tomorrow, Mr. Chillings is going to find me new foster parents. I don't want to be with anybody else. I guess it's the best thing for everybody. I will always remember and love you. Your ex-foster daughter. Chillings is sending her to another foster family and she tells him, I don't want to go with anyone else. I just want to be with you. And Henry looks up at Mrs. Johnson and is kind of like, well, I'm going to tell you, but now that seems that Punky has. And then Punky signs it, your ex-foster daughter. Henry takes off his glasses and my god, guys, it looks like he's about to, tr to cry. You know, his, his lips tremble and it breaks my heart as I'm already starting to tear up. You rarely see Henry ever get emotional over anything except for Punky and the idea that he feels that he's lost her now that she's going to another foster home. Oh, I, I know how it ends guys. We all who have watched this show know how this season ends. But, God, it's so hard to see this. It's so hard to see this. And just to see Henry welling up like that and sadness. And oh, I thought he was going to burst into tears like I am. Oh, that's pretty much the episode. It does say to be continued. So we will continue on with cease, uh, Changes Part 4, I believe, tomorrow. So, all right. So, that being said, let's get into some uh, Brandon Telwig episode rating. I will be right back. Alright guys, let's get into the YouTube comments and we'll move on to Brandon Telwig episode rating and Punky's Principles. Alright, the first one. Man, Margo looks weird being Punky, but Punky looks pretty... Punky looks pretty being Margo. There's the next one. I'm surprised Margo would do something so nice for Punky. Yeah, you know, Margo really came through for Punky. I'd say, well, that was one moment of one of her first redeeming qualities that I've ever seen in, so far in the show's run and her personality. Here's another one. Punky in Margo's clothes and wig actually suits her a lot better than her normal clothing. And here's another one for someone that's really sweet. 
It says, okay, so my mom was telling me about the show she used to watch, and she told me about Punky Brewster and Blossom, and all the other shows she has watched as a kid, and it turns out, I like, I like Punky Brewster the best. And guess what? I'm only 11. Aww. Here's another one. Quote from Alan. Shows how much you know I'm her dumb friend. Margo's the smart one. Ha ha ha, Alan. I love that. All right, moving on to the Brandon Tailwag episode rating. I am giving this one, this episode, five out of five Brandon Tailwags. One for Punky and Margo switching clothes and Punky trying to trick Mrs. Johnson, but Mrs. Johnson saw right through her disguise since she bought the wig. Basically, she was already in on the plan. Two, little Judith Barcy. Barcy? Barcy. As Anna, only had a few lines, but delivers the heck out of them with her cuteness. Yeah, that was her last episode, guys. She's not coming back for uh, parts four and five. Oh, it's so sad what happened to her. The fact that she was killed by her father and her mother was also killed. Three. Alan and his jokes about being the dumb friend and then asking Mrs. Johnson in the hospital for money just because he didn't have any. So he asked for money just after Cherry had asked for money to get a gift for Mr. Warnema in the gift shop. And Alan's like, oh, can I have some money too? And Mrs. Johnson, of course, gets ready to hand him something. And she's like, well, wait a minute. What are you going to get for Mr. Warnema? And Alan's like, well, nothing. I just don't have any money. And, she, and Mrs. Johnson's like, you know what, you guys get out of here. All right, four. Margo taking that test as Punky, but giving her own answers instead of the ones Punky would have given. Or given. And five. Punky's goodbye letter to Henry as she tells him she's being placed for the new foster family. And we have to see Henry practically break down in tears. He didn't cry, but oh my goodness, he was about to. And that's why I broke down towards the end of the episode. Time for Punky's principles. Just because you're a child, you still have a voice and a right to your feelings. Don't let adults make those hard choices for you. Demand to be heard and seen. All right. I want to give a sincere thank you to all my listeners, your regular listener, my regular listeners and my new listeners out there. You know, whether, however you listen to this podcast, whether it's on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening devices that you use, I love giving you guys the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week. Joining me as I go into full detail, describing your many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional running commentary in childhood stories. Uh, lately, it's been the running commentary and not so many childhood stories. It just depends on the episode itself. And about as far as going into full detail, guys, that's kind of coming to an end. I'm just kind of watching the episodes now and just kind of, you know, playing clips and going like that. Because this would take me a long time. With season one and part of two, it's like after a while, it's like this podcasting is pretty much consuming my life. And that was pretty much all of 2017. So 2018, as I probably said, is going to be different. I'm just going to be watching the episodes and kind of going from there. Alright, so if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes. You can rate, review, leave me a five star. It would be awesome. Also, subscribe so you guys won't miss an episode. You can even check out my social media sites, which you can access the links on my SoundCloud account. Or you can like me on the Facebook Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast page. You can also follow me on Instagram at Punky PB Podcast. Also on Twitter at Punky PB Podcast. Everything I do on Instagram, when I post, I send directly over to Twitter. And it says, <laughs> sorry, or you guys can even email me at punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com. Guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful night, and I'll see you tomorrow with part changes part four.